0: Chicago is considered the birthplace of Black History Month, and it all started when prominent scholar and historian Carter G. Woodson created a week-long celebration of Black history. Now, it was the precursor to the month that we celebrate today. And he made the announcement right here in Bronzeville at the historic Wabash YMCA. So here to tell us more about the origins of Black History Month is Lionel Kimball. He's an associate professor of history and Africana studies at Chicago State University. He is also a board member of the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History, which was founded by Woodson. Welcome to the show,
1: Professor. Thank you very much.
0: Good to see you. Now, for those who might not know, I want you to tell us that story of Black History Month and how it connects to us right here in Chicago.
1: All right. Well, I think it's a a longer story, and I think it goes back to the story, story of Carter G. Woodson. I think what we know about Woodson, he was the first, the second African-American to graduate with a PhD from Harvard University, the first one to graduate in the field of history. Um, du Bois, of course, being, being the first. Um, so he's allegedly doing a postdoctoral study at the University of Chicago. Uh, but at the same time, he's in the city. It's 1915. The state is sponsoring a huge celebration commemorating the end of Black enslavement, Mm -hmm. and they're holding this uh, this convention at the old Coliseum Auditorium, uh, which is in would have been in the South Loop. So the story is is that uh, Woodson is there with a friend of his uh, from Washington D.C. Allegedly selling posters. He was a high school teacher, so he's selling posters. But he sees hundreds upon hundreds of exhibits and uh, put on by black people at the Coliseum, and thousands of people who are standing outside to come in to see just how far black folks have come since the end of slavery. Mm-hmm. Now, he's, he's, he's a member of Omega Sci-Fi, and the story goes that the fraternity itself had these conversations about starting an organization to talk about Negro history. Uh, so Wilson looks at that. He's a bibliophile. He's an avid reader, a highly educated young man, And all the pieces seem to fall into place. He goes back to the Wabash Y on 37th and Wabash, where he had an office. And he brings together uh, three prominent black Chicagoans. Uh, George Cleveland Hall, who was a a physician, uh, took over Providence Hospital after Daniel Hill Williams goes back to Washington, D.C. A.L. Jackson, who's the executive director of the Wabash Y at the time. And James Stamps, who's an economist. So the five men meet at the Wabash uh, YMCA and they formulate the plan for the creation of then the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History Mm -hmm. which becomes the Association for the Study of African American Life and History sometime in the late 70s early 80s. The charge of that organization is to disseminate preserve and publish the story of black people. Uh, Several years later he found he founds the Journal of Negro History, which is the Journal of African American History now. Mm-hmm. And the story goes that Woodson wrote a number of the articles. He goes wrote a number of the articles that, in the early publications. Later on, he with Mary McLeod Bethune, they found the um, a, a journal designed for Black teachers, the Black History Bulletin or the Negro History Bulletin. So they're thinking about how to best educate Black people. Yeah, he goes back to Washington D.C. and, and incorporates. The association there, and it's still in existence, it's like 100, 809 years old. 1926, he comes back to Chicago, and this is a story that was relayed by the the late Timuel Black, and I think I think most of your listeners, I think most black educated black folks know who Tim Black was. Um, and Tim made the argument that in 1926 he and his father were there, and if those those were who state black history. When Tim says something, you kind of pretend to believe it, and it was at that moment in which. Uh, Dr. Woodson declared Negro History Week, the week that coincides with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator and the great orator of Frederick Douglass. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so wow. that's where that's the, that's the essential of the early history. Of
0: course, history. Yeah. yeah. And, and that Wabash YMCA, I mean, it was a, a staple in the community at the time.
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, if we think about uh, his, his pivotal role, it was a very important site for the great migration when the Chicago race riot uh, kicked off. Uh, there was a place where black people who were isolated from their jobs and really victims of this of this racial terrorism in Chicago were able to find some sort of respite and some sort of security and, and, and benefits and relief uh, during the riots. It was really the center of black intellectual and cultural life, along with places like the South Side, uh, excuse me, the South Side Community Art Center and the uh, the George Cleveland Hall Library and these such places where black people can go and exercise, and have meetings and think about what it meant to be black in Chicago. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, Going back to to Woodson, what did he see as the uh, importance of preserving and studying Black history?
1: Well, I think historically it's important to think about and remember why Woodson had this idea. This was right in the wake of the the, the movie Birth of a Nation, yeah, which really uh, cast this this very negative story of of whiteness, white supremacy, and what Black people meant and how Black people acted after. Uh, enslavement was over so what he wanted to do is to create this organization to to tell the truth about who black people were because i I think it served a a, really a double-edged you know on the one hand it was a way to fight white supremacy but on the other hand it provided this avenue for african-americans to see themselves in their history in a very positive light Mm -hmm. and if you know a a community doesn't see itself in history. It essentially has no history.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And beyond the the Wabash YMCA and beyond Woodson, how do you say Bronzeville fits into the landscape of black history?
1: Well, again, I go back to to, to Tim Black. Right. And one of the things that Tim Black used to always say, if New York was the center of black America, then, then Chicago was the center of the black world. And if we think about culturally, politically, economically, socially, so many things come out of black Chicago, which shaped America and to some degree shaped the entire landscape, the international landscape. You know, we have you know Louis Armstrong, who's so closely associated with the Harlem Renaissance and jazz music in New York, left New York, left, left New Orleans and came to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Right. Archibald Motley, one, one of the most important painters of the 20th century, so closely associated with the Harlem, Harlem Renaissance, lived in Englewood all of his life. Right, I mean, so many, so many of these, like the Harlem Globetrotters, that so were started on Forty Seventh King Drive. Yeah, you know, so you know, we had the first black president, the first black Democratic congressman, the first black women senator. So, so many things that come out of Bronzeville,
0: all tied to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. what ended up happening to that Wabash YMCA?
1: Well, I think like uh, most institutions, organizations, in, in black communities, uh, it, it suffered a very steep decline. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I would make the argument that uh, one of the things that that helped killed uh, the Wabash Y was the ascension of the South Side Y on 63rd and Stony Island. Uh, I I used to work out at the Wabash Y. I loved it there. I mean, it was it was a small little weight room, had a nice cardio suite right next to the swimming pool. But I think the intimacy and the really the history of that building, and as a historian and someone who lives in Bronzeville, that was just one of the important things. I, I just loved that place. But yeah. I think it just it just suffered from Big Brother down the street.
0: Well, the the YMCA, where Black History Month all got started, nearly got demolished, uh, but in the early 1990s, a group now called the Renaissance Collaborative came together to preserve that space and its legacy of taking care of neighbors. So today, the Renaissance Collaborative provides housing, job training, and resources in the Bronzeville community. So I want to bring another voice into the conversation with us now, Professor O.G. Eggleston is here. He's the current executive director of the Renaissance Collaborative. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Why did the Renaissance Collaborative work to save the building from demolition?
2: Uh, it started with the vision from uh, Patricia Abrams, as well as five local churches. Uh, Patricia Abrams has been in the Bronzeville community uh, most, if not all, of her life. She experienced the YMCA and all of the benefits that it provided. And her, along with the vision of the local church, five local churches, recognized that it was it had it needed to remain a viable presence in the Bronzeville community.
0: Yeah, and it's it's now a Chicago landmark, right? Correct. Officially. So what kinds of history, if we go there to visit, what can we see?
2: Uh, well, first, the one of the benefits of the space is we provide one hundred and one units for single room occupancy individuals. So we provide housing for otherwise homeless individuals, and we also provide wraparound services for those individuals. Um, specific to the YMCA, we have the renowned uh, ballroom, mm-hmm. which has a historic mural, which tells a prominent story about um, the great migration and all of the various um, levels of excellence touched by the YMCA and individuals that visited the space,
0: Yeah,
2: as well as the gymnasium, uh, which is still present. And like uh, Dr. Kimball mentioned earlier, The Harlem Globetrotters. The Harlem Globetrotters actually practiced and played games in the actual gymnasium. In addition to that, we have tours, uh, which we're actually starting this month, to give individuals an opportunity to tour the building to learn about its history.
0: Nice. What what do you hear from folks, you know, about the YMCA and what it means to them, what it means to their families? Mm
2: -hmm. What do they say? Every single time I talk to somebody about what I do and where I work, I hear a new story about... The presence of the YMCA in their life I uh, for instance I have a board member whose father uh, participated in various levels at the YMCA my own family uh, grew up on 35th and Giles and my father my aunts my uncles talk about the importance of the YMCA in their life in addition to that while participating in a tour talking to one of the volunteers she had her first date in the ballroom oh my at the ymca so it has touched people how lovely throughout their lives and it continues to
0: what about you professor kimball do you have any uh, personal connections to the y or your family members
1: well you know uh, it was a very famous track that ran a, a, a uh that was raised above the, the gymnasium floor mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother ran there i think uh she grew up on um Thirty thirty ninth in Dearborn, which is right down the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would tell stories about visiting the YMCA as a as a kid. So it was just it was just one of the, one of these places. I take my kids there all the time. Yeah. I take them on tours of Black Chicago. Um, it's a very special place for me.
0: What would you say is the lasting legacy of this building, OG?
2: Um, I think that story has yet to be told. Uh, one thing I'd like to mention is, due to a federal grant, we will have the ability to restore the pool at the YMCA. We're going to uh, bring programming back um, to the space and we hope to break ground on restoring the pool in March and continue that work over the next six months to make sure that the legacy continues at the YMCA.
0: So here's a thought I had, you know, Woodson wanted there to be more documentation of everyday ordinary black people doing extraordinary things. And then I got to thinking, we fast forward now to today, and we know phrases like black excellence and mm-hmm. black girl magic, right? All of that has gained so much popularity. I use it all the time. I have the T-shirts. Uh, we just love to showcase it. But there's also this separate conversation going around about how those kinds of ideals can be harmful to black people. I'm curious where you stand on this topic. Well, professor.
1: I've always found that that argument can be kind of nonsensical because how is it? knowing the truth about American history, how can that be harmful? I think that and in, in for our people in particular, I think that there is a it's counterintuitive to think that learning about um, the bad things along with the good things of black history is detrimental. Um, when I when I teach this subject that comes up in class and I think one of the things that I try to relate to my students, and when I do talks, is that there's a lesson we learn through pain, right? So, well, black history is painful. Well, there's a, there's a lesson to that. You know, we, we think about just how um, many trials that black folks have gone through uh, throughout our long history. And at the end of the day, we still are here. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's some important stories that we can teach our children about resilience and about black excellence and black greatness that, uh, by learning about the failures and frailties of, of humanity, especially in black people, it makes them become stronger. I also think that, um, one of the things that are, is, is, is really, uh, wrong with America now is that we refuse to come to grips with our painful past. Uh, saying something doesn't exist, doesn't make it true. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I think there's there's for, for people in my profession and t- other teachers and parents, you know, I think we have to play a vital role in making sure that our children and, and others know the truth about who we are and where mm-hmm. we come from as a nation.
0: What do you think, Oji? Uh, is it harmful for us to strive for black excellence?
1: Uh, no. Yeah, I agree
2: with Dr. Kimball. And I think why the story of the why resonates with so many people is it's a story of how a location can highlight black excellence. It can promote black excellence. And that story continues. So, for instance, the residents that stay in our single, in our uh, renaissance apartments, those individuals, when they learn the history about the YMCA, they have a sense of pride that they live in that space. We have volunteer residents that help with the various tours that we do mm-hmm. um, in addition to that. Once again, we do tours through Black History Month. So we bring in students that have an opportunity to learn about their history, the excellence that was portrayed in the past, but also the legacy that they have responsibility for building going forward. So I don't I disagree with that entirely.
0: When you think about the way that we celebrate Black History Month now, Professor, anything you think that's still missing in, in how we honor black culture?
1: Well, I think, so I'm going to speak from two perspectives. One is as a board member of, of, of the association. I think that, you know, although we are the founders of Black History Month, I think um, as an organization, we truly stand behind the belief that black history should be celebrated every day. Um, but as a as an individual, as a parent, um, I think that, We should all take responsibility to teaching and make sure our children know the truth. We can't honestly rely on the textbooks and and teachers. There's so many things that teachers are are trying to do, Mm -hmm. and by take take studying the study of Black history as a as an opportunity to create an exercise with your family, and do that every day. Live 365 days Black.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always reminded of that. Infamous clip that goes around with Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown from back in the day when she says, "We need a longer month."
1: Right. You know. And there's even a story behind that one. <laughs> the, right.
0: There are tons of stories. Yeah. Um, uh, OG, the, the Renaissance Collaborative recently received funds to to restore some of the original pieces mm-hmm. of the YMCA. So, talk more about what you hope uh, to see in the mm-hmm. coming months.
2: Yes. So, um, we hope to once again break ground on the start of the pool refurbishing the pool yeah exactly Um, so tons of people talk about the importance of the pool and the role that it played in their lives so it's great that we have an opportunity to start there but we're also revitalizing other spaces once again the mural uh, various areas throughout the building and then once that's done we have we will have the opportunity to have strong programming Um, in that space to once again tell the past stories, but also provide space for um, how to move forward. And the goal is to finish this project by fall of 2024.
0: And you touched on this a little bit earlier, Professor, but leave us with this. Your your thoughts on what we should be passing on to that next generation?
1: Well, two things. Um, When Just remember when Woodson started the association, he was the only Ph.D. in it. We can learn history outside of the classroom, and I think that's a challenge for all of us to make sure we are educated with our, our own history. And the second okay. thing I want to leave with is, a, is really a, a paraphrase by Frederick Douglass, agitate, 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 because nothing gets done without some sort of agitation.
0: That's Lionel Kimball, who's an associate professor of history and Africana studies at Chicago State University, and O.G. Eggleston, who's the current executive director at the Renaissance Collaborative. Thank you both so much, and happy Black History Month. Happy Happy Black History
2: Month, and thank you for having
0: us.